welcome to Your Financial Planet podcast with David Valliere and the Synergy Capital Solutions team. This is the show that brings you synergistic financial strategies to help you enjoy the fullness of today and empower your next generation. Join us for this journey to help you synergize your finances. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Your Financial Planet. As always, I'm your host, David Valliere. And today is our uh, 56th episode here with the team from Synergy Capital Solutions. And we are talking about 2022 Q4 market update with guests Mark Burns and Eric Nahat. Mark and Eric, welcome back to the conversation. Thanks, Great David. Back. Hey, Mark, I wanted to start with you. And I know we had our investment com- committee meeting yesterday, and you had some really interesting comments. And for listeners, The committee, we were in a conversation about, are we in a recession? Are we headed towards a recession? And oftentimes the answer to that question really isn't answered until you're departing a recession. But Mark, you had some really interesting conversations or excuse me, some thoughts around that. Would you share that with our listeners? Sure, David. I think in context, we our investment committee meets every other week and we continually talk about the markets and holdings. And since I've been at this for 35, almost 40 years, uh, one of my key mandates is to keep everybody on the steady and focused long term. And so the comments that I portrayed to our committee, economy is going to ebb and flow. That's just the nature of the beast. We're going to have good periods. We're going to have bad periods. And so as long-term investors, the listeners need to realize that you need to be a long-term investor. And I think the other side of it is because of the economic cycles, because it's driven by changes, some of these are natural and some are unnatural. The unnatural ones are things like COVID. The other ones are the Great Recession, areas that we can't always predict, but they happen. And so given that circumstance, again, you need to be a long-term investor. So let's not go crazy about the near-term news. Let's not over, overly micromanage the uh, economic uh, predictions and so forth. And so, you know, so are we going into a recession? Are we in a recession? You know, I expect that the economy is going to go negative growth. That's a recession. It's going to trend from time to time. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. The key is to know that it's going to be very difficult to predict when. It's going to be difficult to predict when it's over and so forth. And this is one of the key reasons that we say stay invested long-term and high quality. The other point that I wanted to make is that your portfolios and your economic outlook should match uh, your planning. And so the majority of our clients have plans that reach 10, 15, 20, 30 years, sometimes 40, 50. And because of this, we use a tool called Monte Carlo simulations. And what this does is it takes into consideration everything that's happened in the past. COVID's in there, Great Recession's in there, all the other aspects that have happened throughout life, even going back to the Great Depression and so forth. And like I said earlier, it's these ups, these downs, these ebbs, these flows. And and because of this, we look at all these different trials and simulations on good, bad, and ugly, and we maintain that portfolio discipline around it to know that whatever is looking bad today will look better and better going forward. When is that going to happen? Hard to predict, but it is going to happen. And so because of that, stick to the portfolio discipline. That's really the message here today is stick with the discipline to your plan and to your portfolio. 
And you know, one of the things that stood out for me as we were talking yesterday, just on that point with the Monte Carlo simulations, if you do have a plan and it is working out right in the long-term planning process, you can feel good about that. But talk to me about how that could be manipulated by pulling money out, adding money, that sort of thing. Well, I think the um, part of the portfolio discipline is we are we always have and always will uh, take a look at our holdings on a regular basis, and we are continually evaluating the holdings to make sure that the criteria for why we bought them are still in place. So that's one key part. So typically, when we're making a change from one holding to the other, we're doing that in a wholesale basis. So everyone, we're buying for everyone, or we're selling for everybody, or we're swapping for everybody. But in the interim, if we like our holdings long-term, uh, the holding valuations are going to change. And because of that change, things that we do in the interim is that we have what are called accumulators, investors that are still saving for retirement. And we have what are called decumulators, investors that are in retirement, semi full and whatever, and they're living off of their portfolio. So the strategy around that we put into our blog and our podcast, and Eric does a fabulous uh, job with that is we, uh, new money's coming in, we dollar cost average in. So we look at short terms only as a guideline to say, now is the time to start dripping the money into the market and buy. Some classic cases of that are January, February, March. So an example of dollar cost averaging is the first several months and quarters of 2000 after the Great Recession, where we weren't sure if the market hit a bottom. We weren't sure when the economy and the markets were going to ebb out of that low period at that point. And consequently, we were dollar cost averaging into the market. Conversely, clients who had uh, need for raising funds at that point in time, the bond market uh, was on a tear. In other words, it was doing really well because the Federal Reserve was lowering interest rates. And because of that, any bond positions we had were making very good money. And so at that point in time, we were dollar cost averaging out for our decumulator clients and we we're selling bonds at that point and holding stocks. And so that's just an example of 2009. And when you look at the situation through COVID, and you look at the situation today, post-COVID, we're looking at still dollar cost averaging in, still dollar cost averaging out. And so the message here is you have to have a portfolio discipline and a trading strategy that aligns with your goals, whether you're pre-retirement and accumulating or you're in retirement and you're decumulating. And that's what our team does really, really well. Yeah, thanks for letting me take us kind of off script on the start of this conversation, but I thought that was really enriching conversation we were having yesterday, and I, I wanted to share that with our listeners. But let me get us back on track. Eric, I know we kind of follow this format anytime we talk about market updates, so let's talk about the economy. Let's look back just a little bit here and talk to us about what has recently happened. Yeah, sounds good. So when I was on Last quarter, we talked about prolonged inflation and about how the Federal Reserve is now committed to reining that in. We, we covered how higher interest rates put strain on the economy. And so with financial conditions tightening, uh, there are signs of growth cooling. Over the past 12 weeks or so since I've been on, it, it's been much of the same. The Federal Reserve has continued to raise interest rates after their September 20th through 21st meeting. 
They raised interest rates by another 75 basis points or, or 0.75% for the third straight time. And that bumped the federal funds rate to a target range of 3 to 3.25%. So as we expected, with sharply higher monetary policy, the calls for a recession have risen, though, as Mark said, it's tough to predict on timing or how deep or prolonged it could be. Gotcha. So let's get into some details there. What are some of the specifics you're looking at here? Well, we've still seen COVID-related supply and demand imbalances. We still saw chip issues in the tech space, though I'd say not as much as three to six months ago. Some retailers have started to have inventory to work through or, or too much inventory, uh, though a lot of that was due to overreaction and buying too much inventory after the boom of good spending in the last few, year, few years when everyone was shopping from home. We haven't seen an excess supply in housing yet. Uh, and so with higher credit card costs and mortgage rates now, maybe demand has, has waned a bit but we haven't seen a drastic drop off. On the employment side, the unemployment rate came off of, of lows, but it's still at a very reasonable 3.7%. We would expect that to raise over time and the Federal Reserve expects that as well. And I'd say the participation rate or how many people are in the workforce still remains one percentage below pre-pandemic levels. So businesses, uh, as I think a lot of us know, when we go out shopping and going out to eat somewhere, businesses are still struggling to hire workers. Yeah, we're definitely noticing that uh, firsthand of traveling with my family and as, as we record this and noticing that uh, specifically firsthand. Mark, I just wanted to kind of pull you into some of this conversation. Anything on what's happened or any of the specifics that comes to mind for you? Well, one of the phrases I really love is don't fight the Fed. And between the Federal Reserve and between uh, the economic stimulus through COVID, uh, we've seen a lot of extremes. And effectively, what the regulatory bodies are trying to impart is create a sense of normalization. And so a couple things sort of stand out, and I'm going to focus on long term, is that this is the, we have hit recently an interest rate high on the two-year treasuries that hadn't happened since 2007, pre-Great Recession. So keep that in mind. And since then, we've seen extremely low rates, and we're moving towards more normalization. The other stat that sort of came to play is with the recent inflationary scenarios going on out there and the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates, it's really supply and demand. We've had a ton of demand uh, with people renovating their homes, tearing down homes, rebuilding homes, borrowing money at cheap rates. And as a result, one key uh, area is lumber costs. Lumber costs skyrocketed to the point where it was up so high that it became cost prohibitive for a lot of people to perform any work in their home homes. The lumber prices have now come down back to where they were pre-COVID. So we're starting to see some normalization. And so a lot of this is built into what the Fed is trying to accomplish. I wanted to make sure that was very clear that long term we're moving towards kind of, I'm going to call it normal, you know, scenario, but in the meantime, it's going to take some pain to get that gain. Gotcha. Eric, let me bring it back to you. Thanks for that, Mark. Talk to me about catalysts for things getting better or worse here. What are you looking at? What do you see? We're watching a, a number of different things. For example, we're watching the financial health of the consumer. The U.S. consumer 
uh, is roughly, say, two-thirds uh, of U.S. GDP growth and the most important component of global growth. And, and right now they're doing okay. Household debt service ratios or debt payments as a percentage of disposable income have come off of record lows, but they're still in better shape than they were before COVID and much, much better than they were than, say, the financial crisis. After a few years of building up savings, uh, though consumers are now drawing down on those savings to support their spending. So that could either lead to, say, higher debt or lower spending as credit costs have gone up. We're also watching the financial health of companies who are passing a lot of their increased costs through to consumers, as well as the health of the banking system, which is structurally much more sound than it was in, say, 2007 through 2009. Uh, as Mark mentioned, there's also the regulatory or the government component. We're politically agnostic, but we do monitor the, the ebb and flow, to use Mark's word, of the regulatory and the political environment and how it affects clients' financial plans. For example, the stimulus packages and the Inflation Reduction Act, which is you know, really just more spending are probably making the inflation situation worse because more money continues to be thrown at the economy that had too much demand and too little goods. And it's not for us to say, you know, whether that's good or bad, but we are definitely monitoring that to see how it affects portfolios and ultimately the plan. And then lastly, I'll steal another term from Mark, uh, and that's normalization. We're watching for the normalization of that inflation, which will be affected by interest rates, then uh, of course uh, affects unemployment and the consumer. So overall, from an economic perspective, we expect bear markets to happen in the in markets. We expect recession to happen in the economy. A very normal thing that we plan for, and ultimately that's where we want to main, maintain that discipline to uh, the portfolio, which is maintaining the discipline to the plan. Great. For, thank you for that. So let me just take some of what we just said and then redirect us. So we've talked about what we've seen in the economy here. And, and you mentioned this a couple of times in, in your uh, most recent statement there, Eric, just how this translates to the portfolio. So I'd love to have that conversation here. How does some of this data that we're receiving and seeing translate to the portfolio construction? And I'd love to pull both the end of this part of the conversation. So let's talk about equities. What are our thoughts there? So equities, of course, have sold off to reflect slower growth or a, a no growth environment and potentially a lower earnings ahead. Markets are always forward looking. And so typically the markets will trade down before we start to see the bottom or, or the worst of the headlines of the economic news. And then over time, they're going to recover before uh, really it feels like things are getting better in the economy. And that's because they're looking forward. Now, on the portfolio side, uh, as we mentioned, our investment committee is always consistently reviewing things from a, a macro or top level down all the way through uh, each and every holding uh, that we have each quarter. So we're changing the portfolio where needed. So we have a combination of defense and, and offense, otherwise known as diversification, right? We still have names because of that diversification that have done quite well in this type of environment. And still we prefer companies that have quality um, the profitability, um, I'd say stability and, and realized growth. Those are the types of companies that we want to own because we know you can never necessarily fully sidestep a recession, but you, what you do want to do is you want to own companies that you know are going to survive through it and then thrive when they get out on the other end. That brings up some very interesting, interesting points. One, 
We look at the at the markets, like everything else, they're going to ebb and flow. So when stocks sell off, some of the key points there is uh, we look at what happens with corporations and the valuations of those corporations. And this creates time of excitement for us. We look at the averages of valuations over a 20-year period, and we look at the peaks and the valleys. And we also use that in the rebalancing and fundraising and so forth to uh, dollar cost average in and out of the uh, of the markets. So we get pretty excited when we see a market like this with excuse me, everything on sale at you know about 25% discount to the 20-year average. I, I look at it and I go, well, hey, if I like the company uh, at 100 and it's now trading at 75 as an example, geez, and I think that this is going to be 200 or 250 down the road, I'm able to buy it at a 25% discount. I think that gets us pretty excited. And uh, so remember that, uh, as Eric said, the markets will react. It, it is somewhat forward-looking, but it also reacts to current data. Today, we have a ton of algorithms and program trading uh, that go into place. And because of that, it creates some opportunities to, you know, dollar cost average at better prices than the past. So that's, you know, so so continue to dollar cost average in, in periods like this. And, and I think that's really what we're looking at going forward. So the message here is maintain portfolio discipline. And I think that's absolutely critical in times like this. High quality, continual evaluation, portfolio dynamics and parameters are critical, critical right now. Risk management is a key component of that. And I always say we never know exactly what's going to happen in the short term, right? We know markets will recover over time. We don't know whether that's three months, six months, 12 months, you know, two years, but at some point they're going to recover. And as Mark mentioned, that opportunity on a forward-looking basis is more attractive, right? So um, we're trading at, a say, a, a 15 times forward uh, PE ratio right now. So that's below the five-year average of 18. And then, say, a year ago, way below the 24 times uh, forward earnings that we were at then. Um, so if you're putting money into accounts or your retirement accounts, uh, uh, every market drop is an opportunity for you to buy something that should be worth much more in the future when you eventually sell it. Like I said, it's important to remember that markets will recover before much of the economic data. We're not able to say exactly when on timing, but that's where it's maintaining that discipline to the plan uh, to know that things will recover over time. Great, great conversation. I'm loving it. Let's. So let me take that Again, same question. Let's take some of this economic data, some of what we're talking about here, and how are we thinking about that relative to fixed income or bonds? Eric, let me start with you. So in a rising interest rate environment, bond prices typically work inversely. So bond prices go down. Entering say the year coming in a really a, a number of years in an all-time low interest rate environment, we expected interest rates to have to go up, especially with the, this inflation that's been stickier than a lot of people expected. So that relationship between interest rates and bond prices is called duration. Uh, and we've kept a, a shorter duration or exposure to interest rates than I'd say the broader market. So that's been very helpful on the fixed income side. I'd say about 70% of our fixed income ha has finite maturities, meaning that they actually mature in a year, say 20, 24, 25, or 26, with a duration under three years. And our late, our full portfolio duration has been about three and a half years, say 
versus um, six and a half to seven years of a broader market. And if we leave that alone, it will come due with a yield to maturity. And so having that diversification there as one, interest rates have gone up. That's been really helpful to have that short duration. But then we also maintain, say, roughly the other 30% is market-based exposure. So if rates go down from here, we continue to have exposure there. Overall, in the fixed income world, things look much more attractive than they did, say, a year ago. A year ago, or even at the beginning of the year, we were looking at a 1% to 2% target income in our fixed income portfolios. Now we're looking at a 5% target income, which is uh, pretty attractive for a lot of investors. Mark, any color you want to add on fixed income? Sure. A couple of things come to mind. One is, uh, as Eric said, many months ago, the yields were not overly compelling. And, you know, one to 2% target. And now we're looking at four to 5% targets. And on a three and a half to four year average duration, when you compare that to the 10 year treasuries at three and a half, four percent 4%, we have in fixed income world what's called an inverted yield curve, uh, meaning that you earn more in the short term than you do long term. And that's a traditional situation to uh, sort of predict the uh, slowdown in the economy, that ebb and flow that we discussed earlier. Uh, as a result, we've seen cash equivalent investments, which are money market instruments that have typically a maturity of less than one year, which have over the many, many years recently have been near zero. And so bank accounts are near 0%. Savings accounts are pretty low. Money market fund rates were pretty, pretty low, sub one quarter of 1%. These are now starting to ratchet up to two to two and a half percent to now we can receive three and a half to 4% on an average maturity of about one to two years. And so a couple of things that we need to be really careful of uh, in this environment and acknowledge is number one, historically, when we look at what the returns of short-term instruments like this have typically been, it's been two to 3%. So we're a little bit above that right now, which gets to the point of normalization. So we're seeing a normal cycle of short-term rates being higher. Uh, we are not going to cash in our fixed income portfolios. We're maintaining that portfolio discipline uh, of that, that three and a half year average maturity or duration in the portfolio. As Eric said, we have a ladder in place, 24, 25, 26, 27. And the idea is flexibility. We as an investment committee have the flexibility to decide to hold on to that 24 and let it go to maturity and receive all of our principal back, or we could decide to sell it. Uh, if we think rates are going to start changing down the road, we can sell it and go a little bit longer duration. So we have incredible flexibility on behalf of our portfolios and our clients that align perfectly to that decumulation and accumulation model. And so a couple of things come to mind is we always advocate from a planning perspective that you need to keep cash on hand for an emergency, six to 12 months worth of spending, sometimes longer if you own businesses and so forth. That cash could be deployed at a higher rate than sitting in a bank account, but that is not uh, your long-term money. Your long-term money is to have fixed income investments with a three to four to five year average duration and stock uh, holdings and equity investments that are meant to be five to 10 to 15 year holding periods. So that's put that into context through the plan and everything else. We're really excited about the fixed income opportunity that we have today. 
Eric, let me bring it to you. I want to talk about sort of portfolio impact. Then Mark, I'll come back to you and have you tie a bow on it for us. But as we, Eric, as we approach fourth quarter here, we look at year end. What are some things that you're thinking about on behalf of our clients here? Yeah, a couple of the, I'd say, areas that we haven't necessarily hit on. One would be tax swapping throughout the year. We've taken advantage of price movements from a tax perspective uh, in taxable accounts by, say, swapping holdings to, to different ones that have similar exposure, but allowing us to realize losses on those positions. And then after over 30 days, switching back to the original position. So that's been say, a benefit of that market volatility. Overall, we're going to be, as we mentioned, continually evaluating the portfolio and the holdings. We're going to be rebalancing the portfolios where prudent and appropriate. As Mark mentioned at the beginning of the year, we, we did raise cash for clients that are in distribution mode, and then we're phasing in uh, cash for, for clients in accumulation mode. So as the market's gone down, if clients are adding money, they're now buying in at lower prices and ultimately uh, maintaining that, that portfolio discipline. Great. Mark, do me a favor and just tie, wrap a bow on this. Q4 market update, any final thoughts here? Well, I think, again, the messaging centers around having a plan and work that plan. Whether you're accumulating or or distribution mode for whatever that time period, stick to the plan. As Eric said, uh, we are actively swapping holdings where there's losses we can realize. I think that's important. I was reviewing a client portfolio this morning that's been in place for a long time. And it's about a $3 million portfolio. And, and the portfolio has about $1 million in unrealized gains. And what that means is this client has been a long-term investor. And that even after these market declines, this portfolio has a very large, if we were to liquidate that, that the, all the holdings, which is why we advocate holding long-term, it would create a massive tax liability. And so what happens when we harvest these losses, it gives us an opportunity to use those losses to employ what we call pothole logic. And the pothole logic is I'm sitting in Michigan right now, we're in orange cone country. They're they're paving all the roads and we end up with potholes through the winter. And so as Eric said, we, at the beginning of the year, we were overweight stocks because we came off a very good year. And so in January, we're selling stocks that as a result, that did really well. So it's the road is above where it should be. And conversely, now we're in there because the markets have sold off and we have opportunities to purchase at a lower price and fill that pothole up, okay? And we so we have a disciplined target uh, within each one of our portfolios that we're trying to achieve. And by rebalancing through these periods, we are continuously filling and, and carving down the potholes where we're needed. And so that's a, a very important point. And the last thing I want to leave with is turn off the news, okay? I mean, they're trying to sell ads, folks, okay? That's they do a great, a great job of it, okay? They do a great job of it. I mean, uh, screaming Kramer from CNBC and everything else. Okay. Very entertaining. You know, some of the information is uh, very solid and everything else, but really what they're doing is they're trying to scare you into watching more TV so that they can sell more ads. Okay. No offense to the broadcasting community, uh, but they really do serve justice uh, for talking about long-term and talking about sticking to your plan. 
just once out of 10, I'd like to see them say, stick with your long-term financial plan, okay, rather than talking about the negativity of the markets or even the euphoria of the markets. So turn off the news if, that, if it's just going to drive you crazy. Yeah, that was the last thing I wanted to say is, is you don't want to let emotion cloud your judgment, right? You want to try to think rationally in times like this. And we do truly understand that these can be very scary times for people financially. Mm -hmm. um, no one enjoys it, but you need to focus on the logic and focus on the long-term planning. Just as you guys are talking about that's it's such a good point to share with our listeners. And, and by the way, listeners, just a heartfelt thank you from my seat. This is, I think I mentioned this is our 56th episode. We're now going out to almost 1600 listeners. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope that myself and the rest of the, our colleagues here at Synergy are putting out valuable content. We would love to hear from you. If there's anything that you want to hear um, on the show or directly from one of our teammates, uh, you can reach out to us directly at hello, H-E-L-L-O at synergycapitalsolutions.com. We would love to see our listener base continue to grow. So please feel free to share, subscribe. And like I said, let us know if there's anything that you, if you have questions, reach out to us and you your question might end up on a future show. So hey, as hey, always, David. yes. David, I have a comment. But what we're finding right now is a lot of investors are concerned and scared. Uh, we are very, very, very proud of the planning and portfolio process we employ. And we're very, very proud of our valued and loyal clients who are sticking to the plan. That's wonderful. But what we also know in times like this, there are a lot of people that are running scared. And so we do provide a second opinion on your portfolio. And so we're able to analyze the portfolio. We are able to see if the plan is in alignment with the portfolio and vice versa. And if it isn't, we'll give you an uh, honest review to say, this is what you should be looking to accomplish in terms of needing to raise cash, needing to adjust your portfolios. And what this does, it gives us an opportunity to earn the ability to work with even more valued clients. So I just wanted to say that too. I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Eric, Mark, thank you for joining the conversation today for our listeners. Uh, we really appreciate all that you're doing with us. Once again, ask you to, to share the good news and thank you so much for your time. Once again, I'm your host, David Valliere, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Planet, the Synergize Your Capital podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Synergy Capital Solutions is a financial planning and investment management firm registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk. And there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. 
Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Synergy Capital Solutions and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Synergy Capital Solutions and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.